to my basement, everybody. I have got a very fun guest for you guys today. Her name is Grace Randolph, and she is the host and creator of Beyond the Trailer. And she's had a very, very long and successful career in uh, video, uh, in, I, I meant, I was gonna say video games, but we're talking movies today, in movie yeah, well, yeah, criticism. I video games though. You, know, you do, okay. Everything's blending together. Everything's well, blending together because I, I followed the comic book properties and the yes. movie properties wherever they go. And Hollywood has yep. finally discovered video games. Well, they're taking them seriously. They're taking them seriously. They're a huge part of the business. Every you know massive entertainment conglomerate like Sony and Warner Brothers, they all and Disney, they all have video game verticals and divisions. And you know as well as I do, all of these movie makers and television creators out there are also huge game fans. They're all playing video games, yeah. you know, and and sort of not writing and not working on their their narrative <laughs> properties. They're they're sort of skipping out and playing a lot of video games these days. They're like, wait a minute, who has the rights to this? That's right. Well, welcome to the show, Grace. I've been watching your stuff for a long time. And I, I think uh, the the thing that sparked my interest in having you on the show, and you, you're probably hearing this quite a bit these days, is you had a little cameo in uh, in the second Zombieland movie. And I I'm did. like, I know that, was that person. That's so cool. How, how, how did that come together? How did, how did you end up in Zombieland 2? Oh, it was crazy. They had a fun idea where they wanted to use real people to interview Bill uh, for this junket. And so Sony, Sony's publicity department emailed me and they were like, do you want to be in Zombieland 2? They didn't tell me what it was going to be. And I was like, of course yeah. I do. And I was so <laughs> scared, like it wasn't going to work out. Like I was just like on like this holding pattern for like two or three weeks. And then they were so nice. They gave us the full treatment. They flew us, all of us down to Atlanta. Uh, they put us up in the hotel because it was shot in a hotel. And then we got to be zombified. That was That's like the awesome. coolest experience to have that makeup and everything and to go through that process. And then Bill, of course, is just so great to work with. You know, one day he was like, like the first day we met him and he was improvising and going through it and talking to us about what we thought would be some fun ideas. And he was just really, you know, everything you would hope he would be. That's amazing. Do you have an acting background? Was that how you sort of started your career path? Uh, I started my career in comedy. Uh, okay. I've done comedy improv and sketch, which helps me, I think, with some of my stuff, you know? For sure, um, yeah. But that's, I, I had my own comedy improv group. I used to flyer in Times Square, uh, fill, fill awesome. the room. And also, uh, we were the only uh, sketch uh, show at comedy, the Comedy Cellar for about a oh, year. Right on, right uh, on. That was really great, and I loved doing that. And uh, it kind of like, at that time, somebody was like, oh, you know, they, someone needed someone to do some content, um, you know, for a company that was like trying to sell a player, you know, like yeah. a video player at the time. Sure, yeah. And they yeah. were like, uh, if you want to upload it on YouTube, fine. <laughs> and it just started to do really well. And at that at that time, YouTube editorialized the front page. And I was very fortunate that the editor, entertainment editors really liked my, what I was doing. And so they would put me on the front page a lot. And that's how I started to grow my channel. That's amazing. And how much do you kind of credit that uh, ability to improvise and kind of roll with it for your longevity and, and your ability to kind of, you know, transition? We're going to talk a little bit about the, this crazy year, but you've been doing this for a while and you've had to pivot in a bunch of different ways. And how much do you yeah, credit I, that I experience? Doing audience. I started doing audience interviews. You know, I would go to right. the theater and I'd interview people when they came out, which was a lot of fun. You know, um, when I started, you didn't have to have a movie review out too early you know right. now embargoes lift review embargoes lift so early that you can't really do that uh, right there are also some other problems that came up too but i did that for a while and it was really really fun 
Uh, but I think that one of my favorite sayings is evolve or die. Right. Uh, and I think you have to do that in life in every way. So I'm improvising on camera, but also like off camera. I always want, I think it's always fun to have the unexpected and, you know, to see what might come next and, you know, constantly, constantly tweak things. Yeah, totally. Did you grow up as a, you know, a movie fanatic? Was that one of your oh, big yes. passions when you were a little girl? Yeah. I'm very you... fortunate that my parents love movies. And so every weekend they would take my, um, my sister and I to the movies and we would go and we would see two to three movies a weekend. And not right. only would they take us, but they would talk to us about what we were seeing. And so uh, it's, I like to say, and if particularly my, my mom would tell me all the Hollywood background that she'd heard and read and everything that she, you know, was going on. And she'd paint a real picture for me. Like they were very, they were very adamant in making sure that we knew that people were making these movies. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and they weren't, you know, were they in the business? Were uh, they no, in they just, the business? You know, no, uh, no, they weren't, they're not. Uh, but you know, uh, they're just movie fans. Uh, cool. My mother, uh, was really wonderful and was a full-time parent uh but she's very smart uh she's my role model and yeah. i really like the way she does things and so i kind of like to feel like i'm doing for everybody what she would do for me when i would go to the movies because oh, it really improved my experience that's awesome. You know, that also speaks to, uh, uh, you, you know, I've been covering video games for 25 years, and I've always thought that movies have had this really interesting place in our culture where we do know about budgets and we do know about, yeah. you know, box office on the weekends. And you've got a, you know, a whole series with movie math talking about all that. And video games are still, you know, inching towards that. We're still kind of understanding that there are people behind the scenes that build all of this stuff. Um, and it is fascinating that movies mean a lot more than just plunking down your, I guess it's $15 now, to go and see something on screen. 25 here, Victor. <laughs> oh, yeah, New York uh, inflation, right? Yeah, so, yeah. It's really expensive. <laughs> well, it's more than that, though, because we're invested in the people on screen. Sometimes we know, you know, who these writers are, and, who, and mostly it's the directors and the actors, but there is this kind of mass awareness of how the machine works and how the business works and I think you get true. into it and you get but into I it think, with your content well i think i try to i think it's really important you know especially not only because it's i think it's important to give those people their due for what they've mm -hmm. done uh but i also feel very strongly that people want to work in the entertainment business like right. like everybody a lot of people go and watch these movies and they say i'd like to be a part of that and for right. a very long time the business, you know, Hollywood just made it feel like, okay, you can be a writer, a director, a producer, an actor, you know, yeah. that's it. Yeah. And I feel like there's so many other rewarding jobs where you can have a huge impact and be part of that movie magic that don't get enough love. Like for instance, uh, just recently, this, uh, the composer on Harley Quinn, the animated series, uh, DM'd me and I retweeted that. And he said, you're the only one who mentioned the intros to the show over the nice. opening credits. He would do the music and it was beautifully set the tone. I was like, this is really well done. And so, and, and you know, I, I got his soundtracks that were released. That's why he was DMing me. Uh, they're available now and they're very good. And like, look what he's able to, to do. I'm so glad we're learning more about composers and costume designers and makeup teams. I just think that's fabulous. Yeah, I, mean, I was thinking about that today, actually. The, uh, the concept that there are like all of these little mini armies of people that have to, you know, work together to create one of these massive 
endeavors, especially right? when we're talking blockbuster movies and stuff. It's not just the sort of director and his cabal of actors. He has to rely on production designers and concept artists and, you know, and, and then we're getting into the visual effects world as well. It's massive and there are a million ways in. You're absolutely correct. Well, I also think something else people have to learn is I think that there was this idea or people, there is this idea when people first approach it, the director knows all. Yeah. And the director says, I know exactly what I want, you know, and I'll tell you exactly what to do. You're just, everyone who works on this set is just an extension of me. Right. That's not true. I think a really good leader says, hey, and recognizes and says, hey, you're a professional. Well, give me some options. What do you recommend? This is what I'm thinking. But, you know, I think people need to real, and that's why I think people sometimes feel they don't want those other jobs because they're like, oh, mm -hmm. I'm just like doing the bidding of the director. And it's like, right. no, 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 you are a full contributor. You know, it's like uh, movies are a team business, which I think is one of the reasons they have mass appeal. When just one person is making a painting, you know, it's very specific in its style and maybe, you know, how it, you know, that person just does what they personally want to do. When right, you have right. a movie, you literally have a bunch of people sitting around going, well, I like this. Well, okay, well, I prefer this. Well, what if we did this? And then everyone goes, oh, okay, we all like that. And that yeah. reflects, I think, the audience. Do you think that when there is a, a, a director that is so um, totalitarian like that and so, you know, strict <laughs> about having a, the decision? They do. Does that hurt the eventual box office of a movie when they're that hardcore? Or can that sometimes help? That's or is a it a question. bit of both? I, I love the way you, you threw you threw a curveball in there. Because yeah. I think that the box office, it might not necessarily hurt it. Yeah. If you have, like, if a director really has that strong fan base, I'm not saying it's going to be a billion dollar picture, but, you know, if they have a small budget and they just do what they want, well, then yes, you know, uh, they could probably still have this, enjoy a level of success that they're happy with. But right. they're never going to level up. Hollywood is a business, is a, I'm sure you know this as well. I'm sure yeah. many businesses are this way. It's who you yeah. know. Yes. So if nobody likes working with you, you're never going to level up for making your own small little movies. 100%. You know? That's why the older actors that we see that are constantly working, they're generally pretty cool people because people want to keep yeah. working with them, right? One yeah. of my favorite Brad Pitt stories is he said the first thing he does is befriend the cinematographer to make sure he looks good. <laughs> of <laughs> so course. Hey, well, <laughs> it's been working for him. He's got yeah, that he's down. Like, Put a good filter on me. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you've come from a background of working with teams and working with companies and stuff but then you've also pivoted and and completely done everything I, I imagine you do almost everything that you do these days fully on, independently on your own correct I do yes <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. how 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 has that transition been for you and and uh um what what fires you up what gets you going why why you know as, and, and what's interesting is we were discussing about having you on over uh twitter dms and uh, about a month and a half ago, you're like, I don't know if there's going to be anything to talk about. There's, yeah, it was a you know, weird section, yeah, for like a couple yeah. of weeks. It was like, there's like nothing happening. <laughs> but Grace, you have been on fire. You're posting videos uh, every two, you, you like, honestly, really good stuff. And, uh, you know, I love your movie math series. I love that you dedicated one to Canada. I thought that was fantastic. But you've got new content coming out all the time. And I'm wondering, uh, you know, A, how do you get that fire every day, you personally? And... Uh, how are you finding these stories and these these ways in to create content in this particular crazy time period? Well, I'm very fortunate that I'm not only a creator, but I'm also a customer. You know, the saying yeah. goes, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, like, uh, I really genuinely like what I cover. So oftentimes I will cover 
just what a question I have. I'm like, oh, well, here's an angle. Uh, and then also, I'm very fortunate. I love Twitter. I mean, I know Twitter can be a cesspool, and I've dealt with that side of Twitter, you know? Sure. And, uh, yeah. and you know, I feel sometimes it can be particularly difficult for women. But you yeah. just have to keep going, you know? And I know I've known a number of people in my space who've just outright quit Twitter. But I think it's just wonderful. Uh, I love interacting with people every day. I get requests of stuff to cover, uh, mm. which really helps me understand what people are interested in. I get, um, you know, tips on stories. You know, I'll see them, but there's a couple of times where I see them first from, you know, people in the BTC community who are like, right. hey, look at this. And I'm like, oh boy, I'll get right on it. You know, I've, I've been fortunate that there have been, I cover a lot of different assets. I'm not just a movie reviewer. I also cover, cover news, as you stated, you know, the box office. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, there's always some stuff. It was a little dicey there. I'd say there was maybe a two week period where I was like, uh oh, <laughs> but you know, there's always thankfully stuff to cover. And also I have to say streaming services, just like they've been a godsend entertainment wise for people like me, they've been a, been a godsend in stuff to cover. Yeah, and and God you. God bless Netflix. Totally, and you seem to be much more focused <laughs> on what's coming out. I've noticed a lot of movie reviewers that uh, have been freaking out because there has been like this big gap of new big movies oh, to talk horrible. about. Yeah. And so, so a lot of people have gone back into their archives and their libraries and they've re-reviewed some classics, which I think is fun content. But you cho chose, I think, specifically to stay on what's coming up and what's new. And you've started to review new things. I saw you weren't a big fan of Unhinged. Uh, <laughs> I was not. I felt that was, that was controversial, you know? Yes. But, you know, I, I think some, I have to say, uh, I always, my North Star is just my honest opinion. Of course. And so yeah. I feel like, you know, if that's the only way I can really do this. And yes. then I have the confidence to do it because I yeah. say what I believe and feel very strongly about. Also, one other thing people don't seem to get is that you can change your opinion. You know, yeah. people are like, oh, you said this. And you're like, oh, but I didn't see this. You know, this, had been, this has been introduced and this was revealed. You 100%. know, it's, I think, I think that's another good thing in life along with evolve or die. You know, you should never be set in stone. Yeah. And I think, and it's I really think important it, to stay liquid. There, totally. And there's a, a tremendous value in reevaluating things and going back, you mm -hmm. know, like I know that people are huge fans. I think you love Batman versus Superman and, you know, like, uh, love it. Greg, and Greg Miller, who works at kind of funny, loves it. And I, there's a lot of people that I respect and I, I, I look at their work and they have massive, uh, they just love that film and that movie did not work for me but because there is oh, yeah. so much yeah it was but i love man of steel and it was weird that i just did not dig uh, snyder's take on it was mostly the batman take i just didn't like that he was using guns and that he wasn't using his detective abilities he, he seemed to be getting outwitted quite a bit in that film like wonder woman was giving him information and other people had info that he didn't have and i'm like this is the smartest human on earth Anyways, I'm not going to re-review that right now. No, but, but I because mean, like, no, I think that I think that's another thing. I think that a lot of things, a lot of people get caught up in the hate. You yeah. Know? And uh, while I have strong opinions, I certainly don't begrudge anyone else's strong opinion. Totally. That's well, it, how it, we have the best conversations. It well, and also when you see people that you know, you generally like the way they express themselves, and they and they um are, are able to lucidly give you an idea of why they came to that opinion it does make you kind of think okay maybe i need to give that that film another try or that game another try and that's one that is definitely on my radar um and also uh, 
because obviously the Snyder Cut is everywhere. And congrats to you for the exclusive oh, interview you. that you had with Zack Snyder. Uh, you very, were great, by the way. Yeah, that was well. You asked him great questions, and that was a great conversation. How did that come together for you guys? Are you are you friendly with Zach? Do you? I can't you go really back say him? how that came together. I think that that you know maybe someday, but that's uh, off the record. But yeah. it was uh, I was really honored to be his first interview for that on YouTube. Uh, it turned out great. It was my first Zoom interview that I'd ever done. I was cool. scared to death it wasn't going to record. Uh, so it is nerve wracking. Like, oh my god! Yeah, I was like, yeah. "This is." I did. I did a couple tests with friends a couple of days oh, yes. before. I was like, "You got to yeah. help me test the Zoom thing." <laughs> yeah, because uh, you know all my meetings are over like Google Hangout and stuff like that. So, yes. uh, so that was great, and I was just so proud of it. And I'm really happy with how well it's done. It's actually the most watched interview with him on YouTube already. Well, it's of all time. it's wonderful as it should be, and uh, uh, well, you it was asked very pertinent questions. He was very well, it nice. Was, it was cool. And I, I've never met him, but I, you know, he works in Vancouver, which is where I'm based all the time. He made Watchmen here. He made Man of Steel here. I actually was on the set of Man of Steel because I had oh, a mutual cool. friend that works. And it was really cool. And and uh, the word about him is that he's just an amazing collaborator and a fantastic guy and a great team builder. And I, uh, you know, I, I want great success for him. And I want to love all of his movies. I And I haven't loved all of his movies. Uh, but I am so hopeful that the his take on Justice League just bowls me over and knocks me out. And I'm really happy for him that he got a chance to see it through. Well, he has incredible heart. You know, I think he has a very distinct style. But as we were just discussing, he's someone who does value the people on his team yeah. and their input and what they have to say. And I think right. that that's why he has such loyalty from mm -hmm. his, from not just his team, but his fans. And that's why he got the Snyder Cut. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is a very interesting time. I know that you, you know, one of your other passions alongside movies is comic books. And uh, Love I think them. I, yeah, I think I saw in one of your interviews uh, about you uh, that you kind of made a, a specific choice to kind of focus more on movies than comics and, and keep yes. your focus in that direction. And, and tell us why. Well, I used to cover both. I've written yep. comics, I've written for Marvel, I've written for DC. I had my own comic book that I did called um, Superbia for Boom Studios. It ran cool. 16 issues total. So I know that world very well, um, but it's it's a business. And you know, I feel I one of the, the things about my coverage that's unique is that it's so business oriented. And so mm -hmm. I got to a point covering comic books where I was like, you know, I don't know the business of comics as well as I know the business of movies. Right. covered at the same capacity also from a from a, a consumer perspective i feel like the quality of comics has dipped substantially right like they're not nearly as good as they used to be i still read comics every wednesday well now tuesday and wednesday because for some reason dc releases their comics on tuesday i'm an <laughs> avid comic book reader i absolutely adore them i love the medium but i don't read as many comics as i used to and it was getting to a point where, if, I, I mean, I think if you're going to cover something, you should really, you should really, really got to know the space. You got to be I, in there, you know, yeah. Just, right, yeah, right. There were just mm -hmm. too many comic books where I was like, I don't want to read it. Yeah. And then, you know, how can I cover something where I haven't seen what's happened in this latest issue? Right. Yeah, and you know, you know like that's you got to really know what's going on. And that's something that I grapple with because I've been covering movies and TV shows and, and uh, mostly video games. Video games has always been my, my heart and soul. But uh, uh, it, 
I, you want to try to get to everything. Um, and it's impossible just with time constraints. And, and one thing yes. I admire about you is that you seem to be able to watch everything that comes out, which is incredible, <laughs> but that's your job. So that's awesome. Uh, but I also feel like it's important to know other verticals and other things that are happening and to, it, it, for your own mental health as well and well being, is to like uh, ingest. That's true. I keep an eye different on content. Uh, I do keep an eye on comics. Uh, yeah. I've become much more interested because I started covering Injustice 2. Yeah. Uh, and then I covered Injustice 2 and then uh, Mortal Kombat, some of the uh, movie characters that are in there. I cover those. Yes, sure. So I've started, and also because, you know, video games are starting to have TV shows based on them. Yep. I mean, they haven't really, and movies. So yep. I've started to learn about the world of video games. So yep. I'm starting to feel pretty comfortable in that space too, which is interesting. I mean, I just am a, I spend so much time on the internet. Whenever I get my weekly screen report from Apple, it's like a little depressing. I'm like, how much yeah. time did I spend on the computer? On my phone <laughs> yeah. today? And they're like, oh, it's true, Grace. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you the number because this is embarrassing. But well, I just, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm just consumed, you know? So like when I'm not making videos, I'm, I, I'm a big fan of Robin Williams. And I feel that yeah. Ryan Reynolds and Jim Carrey kind of come from the same school of having sure. an incredible reference point. And I think that's not only important for from comedic perspectives, but also from a news perspective. I think you need to know everything. So yeah. I try to just read and observe as much as I can so that when something does happen, I'm like, oh yeah, and I can connect all the different things that uh, that uh, pertain to that story. So I, you said you asked about my work day and my work ethic. I basically, I would say, I take Saturdays off. Yeah. Um, I try to, but I would say that almost every day, except for maybe maybe two to three hours a day, I'm doing stuff that pertains to my job. Yeah. And, just, and I, mean, and I think it, a lot of people are that way these days. Yeah, I'm the same. I mean, when I'm not right? making video content, I'm playing the stuff that I got to talk about. Right? And, and uh, but it, it is more than a job. It's, you know, I think that there's um, uh, a, a passion and a fire that drives both of us. But I think it's, uh, it's also a, a, an acknowledgement of this opportunity that we both have. And, a, a, you know, a, a kind of reflection of trying to take it seriously, you know, like there's a responsibility here to to know your stuff, you know, and to, to yeah. really also, deliver. And that's a, that's what's impressed me about your work, Grace. I mean, honestly, oh, that's you so you, sweet of you. You you uh, you don't you, you know your opinions don't always fully align with mine, and I think that's fantastic. But that's you have okay. yeah, <laughs> and, but you have a, a, you know a reason for every thing that you're stating and for every piece of information that you're sharing, and it's it's a researched reason you know which i really i i see that i know that and i respect that very I, much oh that thank you victor you know i i feel like you gotta you gotta back it up you do you gotta back it up you know? so look let's talk about uh dc fandom because i know oh, that wow, what a day yeah it was amazing right like they really knocked it out of the park i, I was blown away i stood i watched the whole damn thing too i couldn't leave yeah. my computer well i couldn't watch all of it i was covering most of it i was it from from a from a fan perspective it was beautiful from a yes. work perspective, it was a nightmare. <laughs> I know. I mean, I didn't know what to expect. And, and you know, they had all the layoffs at DC before this thing. And I was like, how, what, uh, what terrible timing. This is so brutal that this is the news cycle leading into fandom. And fandom is, you know, it, it's nebulous. Nobody's done one of these before. We didn't know what yes. to expect. But they really well, pulled mean, it off. I mean, Comic-Con, you have, 
at Comic-Con, you have a break between panels, you know, or right. like there's two panels for a day and then, you know, the next day there's more panels. But they were like, oh no, they're back to back to back to back. And you're <laughs> like, what? I got to cover what just happened in this panel. So yeah. like that was, that was crazy. I'd suspect, I don't know. I think the blitz, the shock and awe aspect worked really well for them. And I still managed to cover it. You know, I think things worked out. I was very happy with the response to my coverage. Uh, and I had a lot of fun doing it. So I would, while I would prefer there to be breaks, I would certainly be happy to do it the same way again. I hope next year. I don't know if they can well, sustain it every year like that. I think they've laid out a model though. I mean, I would love to see an equivalent thing from Disney or from uh, Marvel, oh, yes. you know, you know, like there is, um, there's so much content that's made through these different verticals in so many directions that it, it, it almost makes sense to, celebrate your work like that you know video game companies have been doing that they've been not just with e3 kill the live event right i mean a live event is very expensive which yes, is one of exactly. the reasons i think that comic-con is you know has done so well for so long is that everyone's like you deal with the headache of putting that together and i'll just show up you know yeah, only yeah. disney has star wars celebration and d23 which is every other year but, yeah you know warner brothers i mean look at this they did everything digitally they had a couple of people in a green screen room and they got so so they got as much or if not more coverage by having their own day than they would have if they'd gone to Comic-Con. Did you and they could do it see, all in advance? Yeah, that was all smart. Did you see the like this was going to be successful? Did you know that it was coming into it or I wasn't were you sure to be honest okay. with you? Yeah. I knew it would do well with DC fans, but everybody's so concerned about the pandemic right now, people are a little checked out from the entertainment space. Yeah. Interest is just a little bit lower than it usually is. I have well, there's you. a lot of things to focus on in the world. There uh, many certainly things. are. <laughs> yes. Yes, you know. <laughs> but I think that they did such a good job with, again, the shock and awe. Yeah. That it was just, it was, it, it people showed up. I think it was smart that they split it into two days. You know, they were going to, they were going to have like competing rooms. Yeah. People were like, I'm just going to spend all day in Hall of Heroes. So sorry. <laughs> they were smart to split it and just focus on all these big announcements and it was great i think dc was watching your videos where you were talking about how the hell am i going to cover all this stuff and i think that's, <laughs> that's some like very shrewd yeah, very shrewd decisions made there um what what was the big success in terms of uh review what what's making you the most excited and what do you think uh is going to be huge business for dc coming batman. out of fandom yeah it was ridiculous the batman uh I was shocked. It did Joker well. I mean, right yeah. out of the gate, it it just, it did incredibly well. I think it was wonderful that Matt Reeves showed up with something. You yeah. know, I think everybody at DC Fandom recognized the importance of having something to show, which was yeah. great. Yeah. And I think that blew everybody away. And they positioned it to do that. It was the last panel of the day. And, it wasn't- uh, I was really wasn't, impressed. It wasn't just uh, the you know the great rendering of Batman, and I think uh, Pattinson's going to fill that suit quite well and that character quite well. But it was the world building, you know, and it was on the shoulders of giants because we'd seen something similar with the Nolan stuff. Yes. But there was a uh, a gritty, uh, you know, palpable like you could feel that world, and it was so well sort of illustrated for us. It was wonderful. Well, it, it is like Nolan's Batman. It is like uh, Phillips's Joker. And it's very Fincher to the point yeah. where I was like, you know, Fincher should have taken that movie when they offered it to him. You know, like, totally. you know, he's yes. been wanting him to do DC for a while. And look what happened. They just said, got someone else to do a Fincher movie for them. 
But I think that um, it, it just, I think the beat down that he does when the guy says, who are you supposed to be? That's what sold the trailer. Yeah. That's we needed a moment like that, really right? Well. Because we know that we're going to get a cerebral character. We know we're going to get a, a detective. We know there's going to be, you know, uh, beautiful cinematography and great pacing. But we also need to see the eruption of anger that is latent in this character. And that was there. It's cool. Well, exactly. It's, and also, we've never seen that element of Batman in a movie, really, I don't think. Right. Yeah. You know, with that anger. And I think it taps into a visceral anger that the whole con whole world's feeling right now. Sure, yes. So people yeah. are like, I know how Batman feels. <laughs> I'd like to do that, you know? <laughs> what did you, uh, I, I know that you're back and forth around uh, Ezra Miller and, uh, you know, he, he as a bankable actor and he as our new Flash, how did you feel they handled uh, the discussion of this Flash film? I think they're creating a Flash film that is a must-see. Yeah. By giving you a lot. I mean, Ezra Miller is, I think, not the star of his own movie. You right. Know? Yeah. Um, I think it's, you know, Warner Brothers has tremendous loyalty to their people. It's right. always been a studio that is that way. It's worked and out so, for them. Yes. And there are people yeah. that, you know, like Amber Heard and Ezra Miller that people, and I think it's difficult for any studio because they're, they're big question marks. And I think, you know, I, I think Ezra Miller has less support than Amber Heard. It's a difficult situation for them. And I think that totally. Amber Heard, interestingly, was very good in her role as Mira. I would, I think that from a, from a, purely from a creative standpoint, I think it would be unfortunate to see her go because of that. Mm -hmm. uh, with, you know, not even, I mean, of course, not even the Pandora's box under her legal problems with Johnny Depp. Yeah. But I think that the, th the situation with Ezra Miller is that I think he's just not actually delivering in the films that he's in. I think yeah. it would be it would be more complicated, like the Amber Heard situation, if you were like, oh, but he does such a great job. Yeah. I think unfortunately in both Fantastic Beasts and The Flash, you're like, I, I don't see it. Yeah. He, I mean, he's he's uh, a big personality when you see images mm -hmm. of him and, and red carpet and stuff, but he's, yeah, I don't see that on screen in the stuff that I've seen him in. I, he's he, whether it's the the script he's been given or the the performance beats that he's hitting. I just don't see this guy, who's kind of being marketed as the Ryan Reynolds of the DCU now, right? Like he's got that. He's supposed to have the sass and the comedy and the, but I just don't oh, see that. in comparison. He's more turning into Jared Leto, who is also yeah. not a problem delivering. Yes. You know, you, you can't if you want to be like really artistic out there that's fine people really respect that but you got to deliver you have to deliver artistically yeah and i think both those guys are not delivering when they show up i mean jared leto we have to give him the benefit of the doubt because of all the edits that were done to suicide squad so totally. i think that's not totally fair but yeah. i think and i have to i want to i want to be clear ezra miller at the beginning of his career was incredibly talented he delivered and we have to talk about kevin he delivered in perks of being a wallflower I don't know what's going on with him, but he he's not delivering right now. Well, he's in these ensembles too, right? Where there's just so much yeah. trust and so many different pieces. And I mean, like the the, uh, the Justice League story has, is uh, unbelievable. You know, all of the, the, the- I liked that clip they first showed when he and Bruce interact, you know, and he's like, yeah. uh, that's not totally true. And he catches the batarang. I thought he did a nice job there. 
yeah. as I said, I said earlier talking to you, I'm happy to change my mind. Change my mind, Ezra Miller. I'll never yeah. close the door on somebody unless they do something truly egregious. Yes, yes. You know, like it's like, all right, let's, I think the whole world is that way. I think that's why I think redemption is not only a popular thing in entertainment, but just in life. Totally. You know, we all like just want to know we're all human. Yeah, people love to see people turn things around, turn their lives around, turn their careers around, and I right. think everybody would, you know, be open to that. Unless, I mean, of course, there are some lines you can't cross, but I think yes. that's, you know, rare. Speaking of which, uh, the rumors of Johnny Depp as the Joker have uh, yeah. been percolating for a while. Do you think there's any truth to that? Do you think we're going to see uh, yeah. Johnny Depp in the DC universe? No, Warner Brothers has yeah, got him in Fantastic Beasts, and that's it, kind of. And they're suffering for it. You know, yeah. even though I think he's doing a very nice job there. There, yeah. I think that's a situation where the script is letting him down. Right. I think Johnny Depp as an actor is back. I think he's done the work in his rehab. I think he was great in the Murder on the Orient Express. I thought he was great yeah, me too. in his uh, in uh, his Grindelwald appearances. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that, I think Johnny Depp is still a little bit of a liability. And also he's a totally different age. I think they're doing a much younger version of Batman. I yeah. Mean, look at the age of everybody. Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Paul Dano. You know, I think that Johnny Depp. And I just think it's like I think it's too obvious. I think that he's a lot. I think they're going to want someone who's going to be able to like surprise people, just like Robert Pattinson is. Right. And Heath Ledger did. Yeah. Like if you're going to bring Jared Leto in, how is that not just exactly what Joaquin Phoenix just did? Right. Right. Exactly. You know, I think no. Do something really different. Do, do we get a Joker in this Batman movie, Quentin. do you think? And I thought that, not, I don't think this one. I'm, I'm hearing Court of Owls, and you saw an okay. owl on the front of the card in the yeah. teaser. Yep. So I think that, you know, Court of Owls is going to be in the upcoming Gotham Knights video game, you know, yes. in your corner of the world. Yeah. So I think that DC is finally leveling up Court of Owls. Court of Owls is going to be big going forward. I never particularly cared for that storyline, but again, yep. I'm excited for them to change my mind. <laughs> I'm excited uh, to be I, like I love this. Uh, you know, the, and that's the that's the challenge. I loved that storyline, but I have not been able to keep up with every book either. You know, it's just it's you got to pick your battles. You can only play and watch and see and and touch so much of this. Yes, stuff. that's true. Yeah, especially yeah. with streaming. Streaming has exponentially increased what I need to watch. Yeah, totally. And and you're a big superhero fan and all of these shows there's some really great work in all of these superhero shows but like, oh, it's, yeah. a, it's out of control i can't watch all of this stuff oh but oh but you got it uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah good <laughs> no but the thing is is that uh i like to tell people the difference is is that when you're just reviewing movies that's only like three hours tops but yeah. i'm increasingly getting to review 10 hour movies yes uh, like sometimes they'll be like i'm glad that netflix has started giving critic stuff very early like month right. month two to two to two to four weeks early but sometimes i'll get something and they're like here you go and you're like what am i gonna watch six hours of television you know like yes. it's really yeah. hard yeah what's your uh, what's your favorite out of the, the the superhero world uh in shows right now what do you what are you really hooked oh, on oh i don't know if i could pick a favorite i think and they're There's all so many that they go back to back, you know, they don't yeah. like compete. You know, you've, we've all finished Umbrella Academy and it was phenomenal. Yeah. And now, and I've finished Doom Patrol, which I think is such a great show. I'm glad to see it doing so well on HBO Max. I hope HBO Max can save the DC Universe shows because right. those, DC Universe has really strong content actually, but yes. nobody watches it because it's yeah. on DC Universe. Like the Harley Quinn animated series is like Batman, the animated series, good. But I've heard that, I haven't seen it. Seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. 
No, I, I, we don't have that in Canada yet. But they oh ha they God. have all kinds. See, this they is have distribution. I know they have distribution deals all over the place, and it's really scattered. And uh, yeah, Warner Brothers needs to do a better job uh, around the world and with the comic books as well. Like I'm I'm a Marvel Unlimited subscriber, so you have those twenty five thousand plus Marvel comics at your fingertips. And I know that they included something like that in DC Universe. That didn't come to Canada either, and now they're closing they that the down. New comics, anyway. Yeah, I I know, but there, there's I mean honestly, there's so much great archival stuff to dig into, That's and there's true. new characters it's hard to me kind to of do archival though, because I know I'm so busy with the new stuff coming. I will go back and read something if something's coming out, and I want to have the reference. Like I just rewatched well, and, Seven. To get and that's what's happening. Batman. Yeah, and that's yeah. what's happening is the, uh, but the new superhero movies like like uh, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, they're digging into the back catalog like crazy, and you want to have some kind of point of reference. So I, I didn't know anything about Captain sometimes Marvel. I think they can, sometimes I think they can dig too deeply. Yes, you know, sure. where they like particularly. I'm glad you mentioned the Suicide Squad. Now I think the movie could be a lot of fun, but there's yeah. some characters there where I'm like, I think that for like hardcore comic book fans, they're like, oh my god, not like Peacemaker. Who yeah. would ever think he'd be in a movie? And I think mainstream <laughs> audiences go, that's a stupid hat. You know, they're <laughs> yeah. not like, oh wow. You know, I, I think that I would agree with you. Careful. <laughs> I would agree with yeah. you, but I would I would counter with who the hell thought that Guardians of the Galaxy would become such a massive That's experience. That's true. And when I well, saw that, you, yeah, I I was like, I don't know any like. There's a talking raccoon. How is this a superhero team? And then it ended up being an incredible movie, and the sequel's terrific too. Well, I hear that the Suicide Squad is testing pretty well so far with cool. the people that are showing it. I think he's only showing it to his close circle, but they like it. Yeah. You know, it's really tough. You know, people always now will say, well, we didn't think we'd like Heath Ledger and we didn't think we'd like Suicide. I mean, we didn't like think we'd like Guardians of the Galaxy and that's 100% true, but it's not always yeah. going to be the case. No. I think there are a lot of executives in Hollywood who don't sample their own product. So yes. I think they're like, I, I don't know. You know, right. so I think that's why they put so much faith. I think that's why you have some creators who have so much power right now. They're like, yeah, well, that sure. guy knows. So just right. let him keep doing it. And you're like, but no, you have to know too. Like, I think the Marvel benefits from the fact that Kevin Feige loves these comics himself. So he can be like, I personally know if it's good or not. Yeah. And DC has struggled to find that individual, haven't they? They tried they to have it be Jeff Johns, but he just pushed his own comics. So it didn't yeah. work out. And now, and, like, and now, Jim Lee. Adapt my back catalog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, now, now Jim Lee is there. Do you do you have faith he's in? He's doing a great in, job. Yeah, he's a good dude. But Jim Lee, you know, he was part of. He launched Image. Yeah. You know, Jim Lee has experience as a businessman, and he understands right. that the bigger picture. You know, Jeff Johns had tunnel vision about wanting to adapt his stories, get his ideas up there. You know, he was right. he was solely a solely a creative before he became a producer. So he mm -hmm. like went, did a total 180. So he was like, oh great, now I can be a creator of other people's work. You know, he doesn't know what it's like to be a curator and to be a guy, someone who guides the content and guides other creators, which is just as important. But Jim Lee, I believe understands that. And from what I've heard from my sources in DC and Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers likes Jim Lee. Jim Lee is someone who gets along with people and people are happy to talk to him and to see what well, he thinks and get his input. He, I mean, his name was obviously all over the place when the, the DC um, layoffs 
were happening and everybody was wondering what the heck is going to happen with Jim Lee. DC Fandom was basically, uh, you know, Jim Lee rising to the forefront and, and his star power. He, he was in almost every panel. He was all throughout the whole day. It was unbelievable. He was. Well, he's the only face that DC has right now. You know, yeah, they don't well, have any other stars anymore. They, they're gonna, and, I don't know if they want to either. You yeah, think, well, Walter well, Hamada gave him. Yes. Yeah. Well, Walter Hamada. In, I, yeah. I think Jim's our guy. I think I think they're they're pointing at Jim as as Kevin Feige. I think they're saying we need this. Oh no no this no leader. no no. No. I don't think that'll ever happen. No. Jim Lee is an advisor. Okay. Uh, and, he, and Walter Hamada runs the movies. The comic book people will never be involved in the movies. Do you think uh, they think look at Jim as just comic though? I mean, yes. Hamada, Hamada said, we have this guy here that knows all of these characters and know, and we talk to him about everything, about TV shows, oh, yes. about movies. I 100% think they run everything by Jim Lee. Okay. 100%. 100%. But they're not going to give him the- make movie decisions? No. That's not going to happen. Okay. No, that's Walter so, Hamada. Very, very territorial. And do you think- He's got the awareness of of the world of DC with the same kind of pedigree that uh, Feige does. Does does he have the, well, as much affinity for it? This, let's see how this multiverse thing works out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see how it works having none of these movies connected, really. But yes. I have to say, DC fandom was pretty impressive. Yeah. All those movies look good. All those TV shows look good. So I think Walter Hamada, and he comes from the horror division, which was really good. Right, Warner Brothers. So I think right. he really knows what he's doing. And the, I mean, the multiverse is, uh, and honestly, Marvel's going to have their own multiverse pretty soon here, and they kind of have to reconcile Spider Verse growing, uh, you know, out of their own world as well. So it, it's very comics oriented, and it does serve in a tremendous amount of purpose. Uh, and we're all familiar with it as comic readers going way back. So I think it, it's uh, maybe not the threaded. MCU kind of vibe that Marvel's been able to enjoy the success of, but I think that they might actually knock it out of the park here with this multiverse, and they might have a whole bunch of different, you know, ways they in might. for people out there. Yeah, I think they really might. I, I think that if they tell real, if they tell movies and stories that are just so compelling, people will be like, "Oh, I'd love another Batman story." I think having they have a lot of Batman. I know and they do. They can yeah. get through this, and mainstream audiences like every Batman. And they're like, okay, I will see four Batman pretty much around the same time. That's going to be amazing. That's the only thing. But the reason, going back to what you were saying, it's from someone from your corner of the world is going to come and run DC Comics in general, all of DC, someone from video games, someone from eSports. Right. That's right. the hire they're looking for. So I'm yeah. very curious. That person will become the face of DC. I'm it, very curious. It, I mean, clearly comics need to pivot to digital in a, in a more substantial way than they already are and uh, they need to reach people that way and uh, maybe the the way that comics are produced will um, be injected with some interactive elements or some pieces of uh, um, uh, you know voice work or some animation stuff that kind of makes them um, leap off the page a little bit more because that's what digital provides um, but they're also I like that idea. But they're but they're so important to the future of 
all of these properties. Like what I don't want to see happen with either Marvel or DC is that Marvels just get complete or that comics just get sort of pushed down into the basement and, and they they only dig into the catalog. They only go to the past successes. Yes. I think they well, need to constantly reinvent themselves. And, and it's basically what they're getting is uh, concept art and, uh, you know, storyboards and, and, and plot devices that could be fantastic for movie audiences, you know, well, on a constant really basis. Because I think video games are starting to do that work instead for the that too. TV companies. Yeah. Because yes, it's, for sure. It's, it's visual and it moves, you know, it's closer. Yeah. So they're like, okay, you do it first and then we'll take our cues from this. Yes. I think that comic books, I've been worried about this for a while. Uh, Alan Moore, uh, one of the most famous comic book writers, obviously of all time, made a really good statement about how it's difficult to write for different mediums. You know, right. comic book writers and TV writers and movie writers are all different people. You know, it's all different skill sets. And I think that comic books are, are really unique and they're all, they have, they share more with literature, good mm -hmm. literature than movies and TV do. Right. And so I would hate to lose that, but comics that are being produced right now aren't of that quality. No. Like what's the storyline over the past couple of years? I mean, like, I guess Court of Owls, but I'm not a huge fan of it, but you know, like that's the level of like X-Men Days of Future Past, right? Or the Dark Knight Returns. Like where are those level stories? They're just not I making mean, I them. I love the Hulk books and that it just surprises the heck out of me because the Hulk is uh, seems like a pretty surface character you know he's just a monster that just but they always dig into the psychology of the character I've been reading uh, I think oh he's an amazing character I think it's Savage Hulk I don't even know what the name of it is it's on Marvel Unlimited right now but I've been reading it and I'm like god this is fantastic he goes into hell and he's basically an unkillable creature and uh, you know, fascinating villains, um, and I loved Planet Hulk, which has been made oh, into that, an animated. Yeah. That that would be an amazing film, but of course the film rights are all all over the damn place. And, also, and it was kind of used in Thor. Elements, yeah, yeah, for Thor Ragnarok because yeah. of the problem there. Well, hopefully the She-Hulk Disney Plus series maybe solves that. I hear all the Hulks are going to be in that. Oh, that's great. So it's going to be a Hulk 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 mania. <laughs> so it'll be great. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't know, you know what, you know what has surprised me actually is the Injustice books, the book, the comics. I think Tom Taylor Tom wrote those. Tom Taylor is very good. I couldn't believe how good those comics were, and of course they they played off of the evil Superman thing, um, and it, they had to tie in with the video game. But I was obsessed with the books. I read one or two of the of the uh, collected graphic novels, and I went, oh my god, I have to get them all, and I couldn't stop reading them. Now, and it's yes. great. I, I, cool. I want to be clear. I think there are some really talented writers working in the business, but they're far yeah. and few between. Like right. uh, Kelly Thompson, I think is talented. Chip Zdarsky, Matthew Rosenberg is very good. Uh, Jonathan Hickman, I think what he's doing with X-Men is fascinating. Would yeah. Marvel ever go that far? I don't know. Right. I love Jeff Lemire and I love Matt Fraction. I don't know how much those guys are working right now, but uh... yeah, I don't think they. I mean, I I don't like. I think I have mixed. I, I liked Matt Fraction's Hawkeye, and that's yes. the basis for the Disney Plus show. Which I think right. it's going to be really strong. Because See, that's that. that. Yeah, and that's what's important with books, right? Like the comics need to be supported because you don't know. You don't know. A lot yeah. of it might not bubble up, but every once in a while. Like how much of extremists ended up in the Iron Man stuff, you know, and yeah. and uh, like it's important that these things 
because it's a lot less expensive for these guys to experiment in that medium and to come up with different takes and different ways to kind of progress these characters. Exactly. Like if Hollywood had created that character, he'd be token. Right. But he was created in the world of comic books and he's organic and fabulous and just a beloved character. And now he's yeah. like taking off like a rocket in video games as well. This is his I year. Know, very yeah. excited. Yeah, and I can't I can't wait for uh Spider-Verse 2 and I, I love this character. Oh. Yes. Yeah, I think yeah. it's uh yeah, it's a different world that way. Um I, comics aren't your only love though. You love movies and you know, fiction and narrative work in a lot of different directions. Can you give us some other examples of things that you've watched recently or you're very excited about coming up soon that maybe aren't I'm have nothing to do Oh, oh yeah, not, okay. Nothing to do with that kind of stuff? Oh, that's yeah. funny. Uh, I don't know. Uh, oh, yes. I'm going to put a review up. It'll be up by the time this goes uh, up for a Ridley Scott's Raised by Wolves on HBO Max. Uh, How is it? That is a show that really surprised me. It's excellent. It's oh, great. Very, very good show. And it builds on Ridley Scott's Android verse. Awesome. So is it, in, cool. is it in the verse? Actual re reference to it yet. But as you'll see in my review, the androids there bleed white goo. And that oh, okay. to me is Ridley Scott's androids. I'm like, Unbelievable. Uh, you know, like they can bleed anything, but white goo, come on. That's I mean, he awesome. Really, I think, I wish he did more with that actually, because I think that's really fascinating what he does with androids. That's awesome. Uh, was this, you know, what you do with Beyond the Trailer, was this kind of what you were hoping you would be doing at this point in your life? Is this something that you've wanted to kind of, like when you saw yourself as a younger creator or as somebody that was, uh, um, I, I know this is a tough question, but it, you know, th this is a, a YouTube universe that I'm existing in and you're existing in. There's so many of us out there building content out there and it's, there's a pull there, but it, it, you know, are you able to have the freedom and the fun that you were hoping for with, with what you get to do with Beyond the Trailer? Well, the whole reason I started the channel was that I felt that there was a certain perspective in entertainment news a certain type of coverage that wasn't there. Yeah. And I was like, I'll do it. You know, I'll provide it. Like when I first wanted to do a box office report, people were like, oh, moviegoers don't care about box office. And I was like, I don't think that's true. And, you know, grateful that people like movie math so much. So I, you know, I just, I continue. I think my, you know, my North Star has been being honest just to how I feel and creating the kind of content that I would want to watch. Uh, and I love the interactiveness of the internet, you know? I, I just yeah. think it's it's fabulous. I, I, I just, it's a great place to be working. It, it, I feel the same way. And, and it's, uh, it is amazing that uh, we can be empowered, uh, you know, virtually on our own. To, and we have a platform like this and we can put content out there. And then you see the back and forth and people mostly i mean there is some negative stuff to this uh, always on and, oh, and there always is connect <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but it Some is pretty cool so nice. <laughs> but it is cool that um, you know people do respect the effort and the work that has gone into it and it's it's you being able to provide uh, your voice out there like this right it's there, there is uh, i don't know there i have tremendous gratitude for that as well, and I came from oh. years of television, and it was very different then. But I'll there is something quite wonderful now. I'll tell you a story. There was a point where I was, you know, 
trying to make, you know, I was talking about making content, you know, like a partnership. I was like, okay. And I was pitching a video to make for um, uh, a trade. Okay. Yeah. And it was, uh, I, and I wanted to do about Colin Farrell. And so I was like, I'd like to show the ups and downs of Colin Farrell's career. Yeah. Uh, and they said, well, we don't really want to have anything negative about Colin Farrell. And I said, well, here's the thing. Colin Farrell knows he's had ups and downs in his career. Yeah. And it ends on a positive note because he's currently on it up. And they yeah. were like, no, we don't want to do it. Yeah. We just don't want to potentially upset Colin Farrell. And so that, I think that that's a problem in the entertainment news industry. Right. Yeah, because it's, it's... I can it's, say anything I want about Colin Farrell. <laughs> and it, you know, it pulls out all of the editorial objectivity and it pulls out the, the sort of the real weight of uh, being able to provide opinion, right? And that's something that, that I've always is, said is too. The same way in the, is it the same way in the game industry? Well, not so much. Be nicer to them? No, and I think because it's not really a star system in games, you know, certainly there are some developers and, and um, uh, creators out there that uh, you know, uh, have more prominence. Uh, but generally, there is a, an anonymity to how the, this work gets put out there. And if anything, I would say that people forget that humans make video games. And sometimes they can be more nasty in their criticism or, or um, what they've got to say about this stuff than they need to be. Uh, but I'm a critic. I can't critique other critics, you know? That's the thing. Like, Oh yeah, I don't know why. Some people, some people feel they can. I think it's really unprofessional. Stay in your own lane. Uh, yeah, honestly, we all have opinions and um, uh, we have the, the gift of being professional opinion givers. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there has to be this acknowledgement that everybody has a right to those opinions as well, even if they, they uh, uh, don't jibe with yours and don't align with yours. But in video games, generally people, um, uh, all bets are off. It's a, it's a medium that's still kind of defining itself. It doesn't have this, the sort of, uh, you know, the good and bad maturation of, um, of the Hollywood media machine, um, which well, I think can be its own worst enemy sometimes because people want humanity. They want, they want real, especially now. Well, I really hope that the video game industry pays attention to what happened to the comic book industry. Yeah. Because comic books were like, oh, please let us in Hollywood. And Hollywood finally was like, okay. And then Hollywood was like, why are you in control? <laughs> I think that's honestly what Hollywood said. They were like, there's a lot of money here. Yoink. Yeah. And so yeah. Video, video games, video games make so much more money though, that I think they that they can maintain some more autonomy. They do, and it's certainly a massive business, but it's not the same cultural uh, sort of uh, prominence that movies and television still enjoys. Um, they don't reach as many people. They make more money based on uh, less people engaging with that thing, you know, whether it's through microtransactions or, or spending $60 on a game. So the, the audience pool is massive in totality, but it's much more fractured and it's, mm -hmm. uh, um, so it's not mass market like the, the movie businesses. Um, well, I don't and, know. Disney Plus is getting into microtransactions. Uh, yeah, they are, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So video How do you games, feel about that? I think that it's really smart. I gotta yeah. say. I yeah. think that it's a hurdle that you don't actually have to be subscribed to continue to own it. I think that's problematic. Mm -hmm. But I think that for them, Disney to circumvent iTunes and Amazon and sell their movies themselves, 
because uh, it's true. I mean, it'll eventually come to Disney Plus and it'll be sitting on your computer. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm really curious to see how it works out. I think it's I think it's a bold move, and I I, I always respect bold moves. These are extraordinary times, right? Like it, yeah. it, 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 Hollywood is reinventing itself right now. And I think that there are a lot of eyes on on the way that the video game industry is. And I saw it in one of your videos, actually, the uh, the proposition of uh, uh, Disney buying EA or or sort of acquiring a video game studio yeah, because people are going to be playing Disney games. Does not, Disney actually does not have a games division anymore. And they yeah, just moved to their LucasArts one, you know, LucasFilm. Uh, but they're happy to just outsource it. But I feel like games are so big, and and every, I think you're getting to a point where every major franchise needs a game. Yeah. Like you know, it's it's one of the boxes that needs to be checked for a franchise. Like it, Marvel, but, I don't think has the games that it should compared to DC. I fully agree with you, and I, I feel like the mind share of things like MCU and and uh, the DC multiverse, like that. This is you know what people are talking about out there, and this is what people are are. Uh, passively being entertained by and there's just so much marketing muscle behind all of these different properties you know yeah and it, and and if the interactive medium can't and honestly we're getting into a, a a real horse race on discoverability right now and people's limited amounts of time and um, trying to figure out what they're going to be entertained by and I feel like everybody is being uh, propositioned in a million different directions that uh, some kind of creative um, uh, you know, sort of singular focus on being able to see something here and then play something in that universe just makes a lot of sense. But the quality has to remain consistent. And that's where Hollywood and video games have struggled. And the reason why, um, you know, Hollywood hasn't sort of steamrolled over the video game industries because they're really, really freaking hard to make. You know, there's a language in movie making That's where every, true. Yeah. everybody knows it and everybody can kind of come and, and say, well, you, you know, this grip will do this and this electric will do this and that cinematographer. We, Someone needs but to animate games, the hair and you're like, what? Yes. Yeah, well, they have to rebuild it every time and every year these worlds have to look better than last year from the ground up. And so just conceptually, it's a uh, it's an incredibly difficult task, and it, it's only es- you know it's only escalating exponentially. You know, as more horsepower becomes the available. Quality of the consoles. That's right. Yeah, and right? and uh, like now here's it, I mean, 4K. Yes. Well, and now we're seeing game engines in movies and television oh, yeah. shows, like Mandalorian. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That was incredible. Amazing, and and so forward looking, and and it was visual effects that looked a little different than we'd seen before, but very effective. Like you could tell you're looking at some kind of a CG, but it was so cool looking and so distinct and, and uh, I, I don't know, appropriate for that universe that like it's basically the best sell job that they, they could have done for that tech. Right? Now we're going to see it everywhere, right? <laughs> I hope so. We'll have that uh, behind I, us I, soon. I'm afraid I have to. I'm having such a good time talking to you, but I got to get back. To, I got to get back to making the donuts. You got to do it. I get it. Grace, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. This is Grace Randolph, everybody. You can uh, follow her work at uh, youtube.com slash beyond the trailer and uh, do follow her. She's, she's got some fantastic stuff. You're going to learn something in every video you watch. Thank you so much for joining us, Grace. And thank you for watching. We'll see you soon. And until then, play forever.